And welcome back to part two of our interview with Brian Castle from Audience Ops. Yeah, so tell us about Audience Ops uh, calendar. So that, this will be interesting to dig into a little bit here. Um, sure. So uh, let's see. As well, today, I, yeah, yeah, well, go ahead. Tell, tell us what it is. And, uh, I, have, I have a bunch of questions, as always. <laughs> well, one thing is like you're interviewing me a little bit too early. I've been meaning to to take some time and try to uh, and try to work out like what is the elevator pitch for this thing and and how right. how should I talk about this when I go on podcasts and that sort of stuff. But the practice, way that I'm, practice on us. All right, here here's like a rough <laughs> a rough version here. It's good, it's going to come out probably too wordy and too long. But anyway, uh, the way that I'm thinking about audience ops calendar is it's it's a smarter content calendar. And so obviously there are other calendar tools out there that you could use a basic content, um, you know, like your editorial calendar. But the problem with those has always been, okay, if I'm scheduling something for Monday, December 5th, um, there are all sorts of things that need to get done before that date to, to make sure that we hit that published date. So from, if, if you're publishing a blog article, you need to, have the idea nailed down and then do the draft and then editing and create an image and set it up and write it. And so we're, we're setting up a smart content calendar where you can basically attach a checklist to each content item on your calendar. And you basically set up a, a checklist template so that every time you add something to the calendar, it automatically comes with this checklist and those checklist items are automatically assigned to the writer and to the editor and to the assistant and to the designer and the, and those people get those tasks are assigned automatically based on the date that you put the thing in the calendar. Again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being clear on this, but um, you know, the idea is like you should just throw something on the calendar and then all the other things that need to get done just get automatically assigned and put into place according to your process that you've defined. It's like um, a template. Yeah. It's like a template process that all built around the published date of a, each piece of content. And so if you were to move it, let's say you want to postpone your article for December 5th, make it December 9th. Once you, once you drag that to a new day on the calendar, all the associated to do's get sh- shifted along with it. Um, so that's the production side of it. But then on the promotion side for social media, the same thing, you can pre-schedule a number of tweets, Facebook posts, LinkedIn stuff to, to promote your new piece of, and you can schedule those out same day, five days later, a week later, three weeks later. Um, and it's all relative to the published date of that piece of content. And then again, if you reschedule something, all the social media Key, like the cue that goes with that piece of content moves with it. And, and it's just a, an easier, more streamlined way because like in, in something like Trello, if you move things around, you you have to start, it gets crazy. Like <laughs> it, it throws a wrench in the whole process. So, um, so there's that we'll, we'll be building in some, some performance tracking. So again, you can look at a single piece of content and see, you know, how many visits it has, how many conversions it, it's had, and you can run reports out of it. Um, so, you know, the idea is to make it kind of like a smart data driven content calendar with some automated production built into it and to really get your, your content prone and running like a system rather than using all these different like disjointed tools, you know, like right now in audience house, we're not using it yet for ourselves, but you know, we use a combination of spreadsheets, Trello, Slack, Google docs, WordPress, 
you know, and it gets a little, a little hectic to keep these things all, um, kind of working in order. So, yeah, I know how that is. That, that's all horrible. Definitely. So, so I need to work on getting that condensed down to like 30 seconds. Well, and then on the, uh, the nice part about doing, so we, you, we talked about this a long time ago when you were thinking about doing it a little bit and the social media aspect, I felt like, well, that's like a lot to take on. But on the flip side with what we were just talking about, it does, it's like an avenue where people will be exposed to it because it's like posted by audience ops or whatever, you know, and like the Twitter client or whatever, like it notes those things. So it's like a little external exposure, even though um, other places don't really, it'll be hard to do that. But um, um, there's a few other places I think where we might add that, like the, um, the reports mm. that, that we'll be generating, especially yep. for clients. So, mm, so yeah, that's a good spot. Yeah. Um, so we'll show them re- performance reports, but we can also, we're also going to have like, you can export the calendar so that somebody can just view my, my upcoming editorial calendar and maybe present that as a, either a PDF or just like a read only web page or something. And, and so yep. that can, that can also get it more exposure. See, there you go. It's all <laughs> baked in. Yep. So, so one of the, here's the thing about this, uh, and Andre, I'm totally taking over this interview. Sorry about that. No, but, no, uh, um, one of the things that came up recently that I blogged about in one of my rare blog posts recently about is kind of, uh, different shady tactics that have been going on in the bootstrapper world. And I don't want to spend a lot of time in the article, but yeah, yeah. it's and shady. The, there's shady the stuff discussion going on. thread around that is blowing up too on the forums. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's interesting. And, yeah, I'm, I'm fighting with people on there about what's shady or not. But anyway, <laughs> um, one of the one of the kind of one of the core things I talked about was this idea of like you know um, the product validation and people want you know to build a fake app and have people buy it and then have to refund them. People will buy it or they buy it and you promise you will build it for them eventually. But um, you didn't lead with that. It was just like sort of you lied to me and got me to buy this thing. And now I feel lied to. So I thought with audience ops calendar, you've done, you're the perfect role model of how I think that you should validate a product. Like if you're going to go with this validation approach, um, before you start building, uh, which I don't know if I would, um, but in terms of if you're going to do that, and you want to do it the right way, I feel like you did it so perfectly. So maybe you could just take a minute and talk about like how you went through that process of validating the idea and um, all, all those steps in there that you did. Cause I just think it was beautiful. Uh, thanks. Uh, yeah, I'm certainly not the first to go this route of like, sure. pre- pre-selling a product, but um, yeah. And, and I wrote a long um, article on my blog kind of recapping. So basically what I did just starting out, like the, the reason behind what I did here was that, look, I'm self-funding the build of this SaaS and it is a, it's not a simple product. It's a very complex. Everybody that I showed it to was like, you're looking at like 12 months of development time. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, well, I think it's six months of development, whatever. Um, and so either way, it's a big, product. either way, it's, it's a big expensive thing to build before. Right. And and we can have users, but they're going to have such a basic product that it's and, and there are competitors for this thing. So it's not like, you know, so it unlike a productized service, which I launched and I had paying customers within 30 days um, and we were delivering the service 
in that time too. Right. Um, that's what I love about productized services that you can get it up, up and running with revenue and grow the revenue pretty, pretty rapidly. Now what we've built with audience ops and now we want to build a software product, but that requires a heavy amount of investment and, um, and, and, and we're only self funding this through the, through the profits from the service right now. Um, so with that in mind, I was like, I need to be absolutely sure that this thing is going to work. Um, and for that, I need to know that people are willing to pay for it. Um, and so I did, a, or like I basically went each step that I took, I was getting a, a little bit like more and more confident by a few degrees right. up until, up, up until a point when I was ready to actually pull the trigger and hire a full-time developer and, and start spending money and planning the rest of the year around this, the launch of this product. Um, and so the first thing I did was I kind of got all the ideas into some basic wires, um, just to hear their initial thoughts. And that's when people were like, dude, you're crazy. That thing is going to be huge. I don't know how you're going to build that. Um, and so, um, uh, but you know, there were, there were mixed responses and, and some were saying like, okay, I, I kind of see value there. I could see who would use this and, and that sort of stuff. So it was like, okay, that, that's step number one. It's not, not good enough for me to go ahead and hire the developer quite yet by any means, but it's like, okay, now I can, I can spend a, a few more hours or few. I think my next step was to get it in front of strangers. Right. Um, yeah. I went on to social media and Twitter and I, and I searched for people who are searching for content calendars or marketing calendars, editorial calendars, um, and just did creepy, stalky, uh, cold, <laughs> cold outreach messages to these perfect strangers who've never, they don't follow me. They're not on my, in my audience or anything. Yeah. Um, you know, Hey, I, I noticed you asked about content calendar. You know, we're working on one. I'd, I'd love to get your, your thoughts on this. Um, and, and I got mixed, but mostly positive responses from that. And a couple people, you know, I'm like doing these like long email threads with total strangers, like really engaged, like, Oh yeah, we've got this pain around like managing content. I've got this huge team and it, and, it, and it's hectic and, and we've tried this and this tool and, and it, you know, we're not happy with those. And, and so, so now I'm, I'm getting some energy and I'm like, all right, th these are all good. If, it, this this is going to be a huge waste of money and time yet. Like I, I don't have that confidence yet. So let's see. The next step was um, I, I, I sent it out to my audience, like just sent an email out to the list and I, I recorded like a video kind of walking through the, the wireframes as, as they were at that state. Um, and then I sent them I forgot the sequence of things, but I think they went to a certain out, um, the concept and the value proposition of this thing. Mm -hmm. And, and that landing page is still there right now. It's at audienceops.com slash calendar. Um, and they, and that, that page basically, and it has some like cartoony, uh, kind of animated gifs and a couple of headlines saying like, this is what the, this is the problem that it solves. These are the key features and why they're important. Um, and then they're like, what is this thing? Who is it for? it's not built yet. What's, what's the schedule? Like it, we're planning to build it next year. If you want early access, um, enter your email below. Right. Uh, so, so enter their email. And then on the, on the following page, on the thank you page, they see a survey and that's like 10 questions long. Like it's not a short survey. It takes them like 10 minutes or so to fill out. Um, and, 
And in that survey, I'm, I'm, I think also probably going to be priced somewhere in this range. And, and then in the survey, again, I, I say like, these are the pricing tiers. Um, one of the questions is like, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Like, where do you see yourself fitting in, in these tiers? Um, and then one of these questions is like, are you interested in being invited to, to be a, um, uh, what did I call it? Like a, an inner circle customer, meaning, um, and so they basically say yes or no. I'm, I'm interested in getting an invite in that description. Um, uh, you'll be asked to prepay and, and be one of the very first beta users. And then out of that group, I sent an email to, and, and then my, I, I basically set a goal of, okay, if I can get 10 people to prepay something, um, and I, and I settled on $200 each, uh, or $500 if you're an agency, if I can get 10 people to, to pay one of those, um, like the green light for me to go ahead and start hiring the developer and, and move forward. Um, and so I sent an email again, like just being apps, as clear as I possibly could be in that email. Like, Hey, do you want to come, come on a one-on-one -on -one call with me and I'll present to you this inner circle group. Um, I'll show you where, what the plan is for the product. I'll ask you to prepay and, and that'll be it. And, uh, and here's my link to my calendar book of time. And so I sent that email to like 15 people fifteen or 20 of them, uh, ended up buying so that, oh. you know, surpassed my, my goal. And, right. and, uh, that happened over like a week or two period a couple months ago. And, and that was, and then at that point I pulled the trigger and, and I hired the, uh, the developer full time. Um, and so I gave them in that initial call when, when they, when they prepaid, um, I gave them kind of the timeline or the projected timeline. Obviously things can change. Things might take by December and today we're in December, um, is when I'm hoping to invite you guys, the 14 beta users to, um, to start using the, the product. And, and it's in a very early, very basic stripped down form, like an MVP. Right. And that was, they started and the, like they paid three months ago. So now it's been about three months and now we're in December and we're just about ready, probably like two weeks away using the product. I'd, I'd say we've, we've built probably for like 20% of the product in terms of features mm. and um and there's like one more feat basically that checklist feature that i described we're we're just i just want to build that over the net and you know he's working on it right now so over the next two weeks once a basic working version of that is ready that'll be one I, I start inviting um those those people in uh then it'll be another n number of when we'll get a a couple of the other key features built into it to a point where I think it'll be ready to start, you know, inviting other members of the early access list into, uh, like, and those would like people who, who haven't prepaid yet, but just start, you know, getting them onto paid plans. Right. Um, goal more, is of to, a bait, more of a beta at that point, I guess kind of like a public launch, but, but I'll probably launch it like in just inviting people in back. I have yeah. A so that's I love that. That's great. <laughs> This week, Bootstrapped is sponsored by Linode. Um, if you're looking for virtual machine hosting, I definitely ought to check out Linode. They have eight data centers. Um, all the plan, the base plan starts at two gigabytes of RAM, and it goes up from there into very large servers. Really straightforward pricing, 10 bucks a month um, to start. And that's actually built hourly. So if you want to spin up a, a server just to play around with a side project and spin it back down, you're only going to pay, uh, you know, for the fraction of, of time you used on that. Um, 
they recently switched uh, from Zen to KVM and have seen you know 300% performance increases uh, with the servers uh, we use at Userscape um, run on Linode. And we did that conversion. And it's amazing. We were able to actually lower uh, the size of many of our servers down to just the base two gigabyte server because they're just ridiculously fast now. So that's really been awesome. It's all a uh, 40 gig uh, network. It's all modern Intel processors. It's all native SSD storage, 24 seven, 365 support, uh, seven day money back guarantee. If you don't like it, which I don't know why you wouldn't. Um, again, I've been hosted there for I don't even know how long, five years or more um, with about 10 servers. Andre uses it as well. Uh, so definitely, definitely highly recommend Linode. Um, and uh, they've actually given us a, an offer code, bootstrapped20. So if you use that code, you'll get 20 bucks off um, when you sign up for an account in Linode. So basically, uh, you can get your first two months for free. Uh, or even if you're only using it for partial months, it could be last you longer than that, obviously. So definitely check that out. Offer code bootstrapped20. And we'll have that in the show notes uh, as well as a link right to that, that that applies a discount for you. So go ahead and just check it out in the show notes. Click on it. Um, our big, big thanks to Linode for always being a huge supporter of the show. And uh, I really can't highly recommend them enough. We use them for uh, everything at Userscape. And uh, it's been, been rock solid. So thanks a lot to Linode for sponsoring the show. Um, so my question is, uh, uh, why did you choose, I don't know if this is the first time you decided to go with a, I'm assuming a freelance developer or a full-time freelance developer, I don't know, this yourself and like what what was your process of, uh, of hiring this full-time? I guess num- number one is because I'm not a developer. Okay, so um, you just did design work I, in your previous I, life? I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm more of a designer and I do like front-end markup. Okay. Uh, markup and CSS. That that's my background. Um, writing uh, da- like the database backend stuff. I I don't do that. I I wouldn't be able to do any of that. So, um, so I, I knew. I yeah. I I I think so. <laughs> um, I think it is. I I do think so. But I but at the same time, I'm a little bit more technical than than most right. non-technical founders, and I think that can be um, kind of a blessing and a curse sometimes. But um, yeah, I, know, I think that's the that's the perfect balance. Yeah, like right now I'm uh, like I did I did work with um, Jane Portman a little bit on the initial mockup, and I'm doing all the front end uh, code on or like the front end structural markup and CSS stuff, and then he's kind of hooking up the back end. Um, but yeah, I went with a full time developer in Eastern Europe, um, and I I compared three different developer I, I tested three different developers on it um and two of the three were teams and the th- third one was kind of a single all three of them were pretty good well really two of the three were, were good enough to hire um but i ultimately went went with him and and it's been uh it's it's been pretty good you know i i, I will say progress has been slower than i expected which is i guess that was expected <laughs> but um like especially early on because we're starting from the ground up. So you got to build all this infrastructure and plan the database and all that stuff. But um, now I think we're really moving along much fast. Know you process. Cause I, I just met this guy too, like two, three months ago. So um, at first, like he didn't really know how technical I was. 
Um, and, and now he's starting to understand like how much, like how much he can explain to me and also like the limitations where, um, where I'm looking to him to basically make the technical decisions. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, I think now we're into a pretty good groove. And how's that communication process worked with like both language, but also like the time difference. I mean, are you guys in touch daily or is it more like weekly updates? It's or how does that how, how do you been just like managing that you're I know you're super organized and good at managing things and lists and automation so I'm kind of curious how you're handling that yeah so well on the development on the development of this software product is really like me and him working just project the team on audience ops they all have their processes and their checklists and their on the content stuff but this is kind of like my personal focus on most days of the week um and so i mean language wise he's been great you know uh really strong english both typing and and spoken and we do um we do like stand-up calls twice a week tuesdays and thursdays um and those are like five minutes or less Mm -hmm. uh on slack um kind of dms between me and him um and then the other thing that i put in place is statushero.com uh Mm -hmm. That's one of those like daily status update tools. Okay. And it's uh, 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 Henry Poydar. He's my guy. He runs that. Um, and so, um, and that's been pretty cool. So basically every day he, he gets that and, he, and three questions like, what'd you work on? Yes. Or anything standing in your way, something like that. Mm. He, he, he shoots in answers to those questions. That's synced up to Slack. So that's posted to our channel in Slack. Um, so I see that every day, but yeah, for the most, oh, and then the other thing is we use GitHub with, um, Zen hub. Are you guys familiar with that? I've heard of it. I haven't used it. Um, it's pretty cool. It, it basically, it's a Chrome extension and, and it adds a layer of, of GitHub. That's right. Yep. It, it takes your, your GitHub issue, your existing GitHub issues and, and forms them into like a Kanban, um, layout which is really helpful. So, so we have like, uh, uh, I have like a next list and these are like the three or four features that he's going to spend the next three to five days working on. And then we've got like a roadmap list, which goes out farther than that. And then we've got like a backlog of things we got to remember to get to later, later. That's about it. (laughs) He's super organized. That's what I love about him. It's amazing organization. Well, like with this well, productized service. I, I think too. what I did there was like, that's the theory of it. <laughs> like, I don't know if, it, if it's always in practice that way. Like, we do a lot of like, you know, giving updates over Slack, like not in GitHub and, and, and like, or days or a week or and like, you know, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah normal normal stuff and i mean there'll be so much stuff uh, i'm sure you end up having to do like you know once you get users and and scaling things up and all that stuff one of the nice things about this product doesn't sound like there should be too much crazy scale stuff you know like you're not going to have a million people visiting your site or have to deal with anything on that level i'm sure you're um moderate setup you know which is always a nice thing yeah, there's there are probably some technical things that I'll need help with from or technical folks like 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 right. you guys and I've I've also been reaching out to other uh, tech 
friends who to, to help advise on like what should the, the, the tech stack be and we've got this problem with the database structure like how would you approach that like I, I definitely need help from other people on that kind of stuff because I'm not qualified for that but we do like I said we do a bit of social media posting so we're relying on those third-party APIs mm-hmm. we're doing like the calendar itself is um, it's got a kind of a unique navigation whereas most calendars um, you, you navigate from month to month like you, you click the next button the, the next right. month button or, or the previous month button and but what what I wanted to build was a infinitely smoothly from one mo- month into the next mm-hmm. um, and that's really important when you're planning content especially like near the end of the month going into the beginning of next month and there are things that overlap on both sides you know th- this I, I think is one of the only calendar layouts um, especially for this type of tool that that does it this way. And this was literally one of the things that a lot of people asked me about. They were like, you know, this other tool that I've been trying out, it's just really clunky. It's not fast enough to navigate. Time on it was, was building this, uh, infinitely scrollable calendar navigation. And, um, and, and I could, I could already tell that that's going to be like, we're going to need to make it smoother and less clunky and, and all that. So. Yeah, I was wondering if you built that. I built a few calendars here and there over the years. Nothing super sophisticated, but there is a bear. <laughs> the, kind of, the format it doesn't like jive well a lot of times with, with like database structure and things from two thousand years ago, and doesn't want to jive with modern sensibilities of like data structure and things. And so you end up with a lot of and on the just the UI part of it, uh, complexity of building it out and if you i guess with your thing it'll be nice i presume it's not going to be like date span like you're not going to multi-day deliverables and things like that which does simplify uh, some of it and you're not going to necessarily need a lot of traditional calendar stuff uh like like if, if it was like a personal calendar which will be nice but i'm sure this yeah i mean we we have built like that was kind of the first thing that we tackled and and that and and it's working now but it's um mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it definitely took a lot longer than I expected to build it. And um, there's some trickiness to it, like, you know, dragging and dropping a content item mm-hmm. from one day to another, and that changes right. its schedule and and um, and different things like that. But um, yeah, it's uh, I, I think, you know, it'll be, we'll have to, there there's some like slow load out later and, and that kind of stuff. But that's the, you're getting into the fun of the SaaS software. There you go. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm still uh, debating all of that front end stuff is necessary or not. I'm still on the fence of because I'm I'm doing a SaaS too, but I'm still in the I hate JavaScript with a, like a, a passion, and I'm still on the fence about whether I should do like native clients for everything or not, and just keep the back end and the web server. Sure. Examples of this other than like 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 Dropbox or you know things that that need to integrate with the native platforms. Like out of choice, I haven't seen anybody specifically choose, but that's because like the world is now all web developers. I don't know if it's my world, at least my world is like all web developers. You go on something like Twitch and you go to like the programming streams for people who just do work programming and they stream their programming work. It's all, it's all angular, (laughs) like all web developers, regardless of like whatever context they're doing it in. You know, my, my thinking on that from, again, like a non-technical person, um, I, I chose with, with the help and with the consultation from other people, um, to go with PHP, Laravel, uh, 
essentially that. And, and I think, um, the developer chose to use uh Vue JS, yep. um, for, for different parts of it, but, um, a very popular and well-respected language and, and framework because, you know, that I, I mo- mostly my decision on that was just like, this has the largest pool of developers out there. Um, if I ever needed to hire or, or change the developer, um, and, and Laravel just seemed like more, more people than not were saying like, that's the go-to thing to, to build a, a SaaS on PHP today. Right. So, but, yeah, but sure. see, um, you're, that you want it to be all web-based, right? Whereas I'm saying, forget the browser and just do a Windows client and a Mac client and have it all you know, native. I remember some two project management apps that were that were like that a while back, but uh, was it Kickoff? I think one was called, and but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, now that even those things like your Slack client or whatever, they're still all web based. Yeah, they're still it's just JavaScript. The wrapper. It's all yeah. very selfish. Like it's up to be able to stay long term in this SaaS thing that I'm doing, but it's also like I see the danger of having a native client that's sort of asking the questions that people are used to seeing from web apps, like sign in and enter your credit card information. And it's like a native desktop app. It sort of feels a little bit too foreign. I don't know how much that's going to hurt the thing. Yeah. So I don't I think it's, that, just, that it's a different bad. world, right? You said, right. I was just going to say, I think if anything, you'd have to have that stuff be web-based and then yeah. maybe you could be like download the, the client is how you actually connect to it but i also think you probably just need to like bite the bullet pick up the internet yeah (laughs) i think think that should be your a plan uh like one feature that we're going to build into it is a a chrome extension or just a browser you know Mm -hmm. multiple browser extension to kind of um that'll so you you alongside wherever you're working so if you're in wordpress or google docs or evernote wherever you are um that little sidebar will hook into your calendar database and, and get your checklist of, of the thing that you're working on. So that'll be like a, a browser extension that we'll have to build at some point. Um, there will be like a WordPress plugin that integrates that, that pulls in your, and then syncs between your WordPress blog and your calendar, obviously. Um, so we'll have to, you know, some point later, 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 we'll, we'll think about some sort of like mobile app. Um, like I decided not to do responsive, I mean, a calendar layout with, with a responsive layout is just going to be right. You just assume they're on the best topic and go from there. Yeah, but too insane for that. But um, well, yeah, yeah, that's one of the things with bootstrappers. I feel like, especially, it's like the new a new thing you really have to factor in. I feel like if you're again at more at the idea stage, but a general project management, like you have forget the competition even. Like you're just expected to have. Like, yeah. it's really 15 different applications, right? You need Android and iOS and a Chrome extension thing and integrations with all this other stuff. And like you're, before you even, it's not even about, like, your main app won't even be considered unless you have these other things, which are essentially completely separate apps, like whole applications that need to be built. And that's a big barrier to entry, you know? This gets back to that thing of... Um, the product needs to solve a very specific problem. And, and yes, eventually you do need to get to a point where you have the mobile app, you've got the, the Android app, the, the iOS app, the, the web app, the desktop app, and like, and the iPad app or right. compatibility and, and all that. So you need to get there, but like 
that can't be the feature. Like you can't just make another no, base sure. a base camp and like, oh, ours is on all the de- no. you need to from the very start, like you need to be solving a core problem that other people are, are that ha- they're not satisfied with the other tools on the market. I mean, one perfect example I think is, um, is drip. You know, I'm, I'm a big drip user. I pay them 150 bucks a month. Right. They don't have a, a, their, their site is not responsive. Right. It's not responsive. They, they don't have a mobile app, you know? Um, but I use it all the time and, right. and it solves a, a huge problem for me. So I, I think, uh, I, I think, yeah, like eventually you're going to need those things. But if, if you could solve the problem from the start, then that's the key. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's about the, the niche or right. The perspective on it. Cause they just, you know, drip and convert kit and all these things have come up in the past few years, right. They're just MailChimp and they're just campaign monitor, but they took just a different angle on it that, um, let them do away with a lot of those other things that those tools have attacked. this kind of one, uh, direction on it. I mean, now drip has gotten a lot more full featured and is, is expanding. I feel like into more of those other areas, but yeah, although uh, it's, it's still not on. mobile friendly. And actually that's a, that is kind of, it's pretty annoying too. Like if I'm out and I'm only on, <laughs> on my iPhone and I need right. to get to something in my drip account, like I got to freaking like pinch and zoom in to nope. get to the login screen and you know, um, but like it's, it still solves my problem. One of the upsides of the business users, they'll really put up with a lot more pain if you're solving something sufficiently well for them. Like HubSpot's administrative UI is not mobile friendly. Uh, I mean, it works, but it's, it's not responsive. And, you know, like, I mean, we actually don't even really get the request for it. Uh, it annoys me, I think, more than most people. Um, and we have the mobile app, which Andre built, which helps uh, that quite a bit. But, but still... Yeah. Um, there's times where your iPad browser or something, and it would be nice to just go into the app and it's responsive, but it isn't, but it'll pay us and it's all fine. So. Yeah. And I think there, um, this is something that I want to try to be careful of as we're rolling out this calendar product is that there's a huge list of features that I want to build because oh, yeah. I, I want them for audience apps. Right. Um, but I know that like at least half of those people are, are just like, huh, no, I don't, I don't really need that. Right. <laughs> you know, and customers as soon as possible and probably earlier than I think it's ready to. And I know that a lot of, a lot of, uh, SaaS people kind of make that mistake of like, Oh, it's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. It's not ready yet, but it probably is. And you don't realize it. Yeah. Finding that balance is super, super hard between your vision and when to launch and, uh, and all that stuff, but I, which I do like how you got the setup with these pre paying folks and that, you know, really low, uh, which is great. So you're going to give them this basic version and it'll be a basic version and you can kind of go from there. Yeah. And Um, it's not just about validation from them. It's, um, right. It's even more about like, look, I, I have a group, I called them the inner circle customers group. I, I I put them all in a Slack chat room and we do a monthly call, um, with all of them together. And that's been so incredibly valuable, you know, just showing them, getting there. Like there was one feature that they were like, well, how am I going to invite a teammate? And I was like, oh yeah, we need to, <laughs> we need to get that in there. Um, and, um, you know, so just getting that feedback from people who plan on using it and paying for it, you know, like we got to make sure that we're solving their problem. And, and so that's, that's been really good. Well, another really, I think a huge takeaway, which has come up now multiple times here, uh, which is something that 
especially if you're more in the prototypical for a minute, um, people hit a lot. It's just that ability. I mean, you are on the phone or Skype or whatever a lot. Like you're talking to the customers for audience ops. You're talking to these customers. You you talk to 20 whatever people before you launch this thing or more than that, but even just the direct calls um, to people pre-buy and all that. So that's a lot of just on the phone businessing. And I think that's a huge advantage. You have to be willing to do that part of it. Yeah. You know, like that. Jordan and I harp on that all the time on the podcast. Like you've, you got to hustle, you know, right. and, and it's not the, it's not the, the long-term strategy for scaling this thing up, but you got to be scrappy and you, and you've got to talk to people. And it, and especially if you're building a product, like you have to be directly talking to those customers. Um, but well, that's where I mean, you get the nuances too. I feel like you know, like just when you talk to people, you get that that absolutely. nuanced view that you just don't take you a certain ex, you know extent. But then you don't get that chance to drill down into that and really find out what they want and all that kind it, of stuff. So it's so true. And the other thing that I'm that I'm new to that I kind of stumbled into was putting this group of customers in into a group and letting them form their own community and talk to each other. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Been, that's been huge. I mean, when we're, um, uh, when, when we're on, on these, show them something. Sorry, my dog's freaking out. Uh, back. Oh, that's yeah. fine. Um, we're used to that. Uh, I, I can show them something like, Hey, here's this feature that we're working on. And like, and like one person will give feedback and then two other people will be like, Oh yeah, yeah, me too. Or, well, well, actually, this is how I do it. And then they start to share notes and then they kind of come to this consensus. And it's like I'm getting this group feedback um, and they kind of work off of each other. It's really, really helpful. That's that. That's true. That's like that's amazing that they also state like like the attendance to these you know, monthly meetings is decent and that you yeah, it's not all them into a loop. Right. Of course, not all of them. So but like, you're getting enough like there. Se- yeah, like seven or eight of them will show up on the call, you know. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, just that alone tells you a lot that the other solutions out there aren't, um, you know, aren't definitely aren't covering their needs because who the heck has time to do that? Right? Like, I don't, I don't want to go on a call for a product that's not built yet. Like, to be, to was, you know, that there's a lot of opportunity there, I think. Yeah. I mean, to be perfectly honest, like, I'm personally not the type of person who would, who, t- I don't think I've ever really prepaid for a product before it exists. Right. Um, and I was pretty skeptical of the whole pre pre selling model. I've heard other people do it before. I was like, okay, I've seen that it, it can work. Um, I, I don't know that I totally buy it, but then I did it and it was like, well, uh, uh, <laughs> uh but like, you know, about the competition thing. Um, that's another point that I think is important because, um, so we have probably a number of of companies who I would consider competitors, uh, but there's one name that comes up a lot more than, than the rest of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so everyone has basically tried this, this competitor or not, not everyone, but like the people who've, who've looked at other tools. And, and as soon as somebody mentions that name, that, that, comp- that competitor's name, I try to jump on that and say, why did you, what led you to try them? What were the features that actually worked for you there? what was falling short, what, what kind of made you most frustrated in that tool, you know, cause ultimately they're talking to me about this tool. So right. obviously it's not perfect for them. Yeah. Um, and so that's been really good, uh, to try to jump on that, it, whether it's over email or a call or about that stuff. Like, um, you know, well, ex- so, yeah. 
I was just, it's always nice to pick like the one competitor to because like when you try to just say you know when you get into like every competitor and what they have or don't have you know it just starts to get kind of crazy whereas if you can kind of focus in on everybody's kind of tried this one they're the big dog um what don't people like about that and how you stack up against that like that's a much more manageable i'm not huge on looking at the competition too much are really key and that everybody knows and everybody's tried um then that's usually a good spot to focus on and dig dig deeper in there yeah yeah me too i mean i i think i i also tend to ignore the competition mostly that's that's been my right um sometimes to a fault, I think, but I, I think <laughs> er, like this early on in, in planning a new product, I'm, I'm really just trying to get into the mindset of like, who are the people who are actively searching for a tool like this Yeah, and, and where are they? Well, that's awesome, man. I don't want to uh, keep you longer here. We could go another three, four hours on this, but uh, we'll have to have you back to follow up once, uh, once this baby launches and we can, we can hear how the launch went and what you did and, and all that stuff. So uh, thanks for, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on fellas. This, thanks, this was Brian. fun.